Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. If you'll open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at about four verses of Scripture this morning as we look at our next to last sermon on our study of prayer, our study on prayer. And this morning we're going to be looking at praying peacefully, praying peacefully. I know that um, even as our family celebrated uh, the ringing in of the new year last night, there was uh, illustrations of confetti that had messages on the confetti that was being shot out into the crowd with, uh, I guess, in a, in a means of a way that was used like fortune cookies are used, that it would have words and greetings of, of warm wishes to individuals. And in those, there would be individual handwritten notes uh, to people. And some of those things were praying for peace on earth. Now, the reality is, they would read their Bible, they would know you will not have peace on earth until Christ returns but in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the fallenness of our world, individual Christians can experience peace. And so our desire, my desire this morning, the scriptures desires for us to encourage you that you can have peace with God and peace through God. And that's their goal this morning is to be able to see how does that work in relationship to prayer. Now we've navigated through Many sermons already praying biblically is the, the form, not the formula as much as the foundational pillars, if you will, the components of a biblical prayer. We studied that several weeks ago. And then we began to realize there was prayers that God would not hear and will not answer as we, if we don't pray humbly. And so we began to study that. And then we thought, well, the, one of the uh, areas we could bring encouragement to bring instruction from God's words to teach you how to pray thoughtfully and uh, your prayer should be spiritual mindedness that ultimately that it's God whom saves and God whom illuminates us to be able to understand scripture, know how we can approach him and approach him in a biblical manner. And then so we were thinking out how to pr- think this thing thoughtfully and when we in- pray individually. And then that would lead us to praying corporately as when we gather together. And what do we do when individuals are sick and how do we, does that relate to James's instructions from uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit that he would call for the elders and how we would begin to do that. And over there was clarity brought to that, and then we added a sermon that wasn't in our original notes, just uh, in our original plan. It was praying spiritually, and then once again, just kind of a reminder then of how all these look uh, work together, and just uh, bringing clarity to: Are we praying fleshly prayers, or is our, our mind set on the things that are above? And if so, then we should be praying spiritually. And Tim was really helpful in us to see a variety of specific prayers that we, you, you or I may have even prayed and how those may be more carnal-minded than spiritually-minded. And then last week, uh, the instructions from God's Word was to pray confidently. And how we know that God hears prayers, hears our prayers, and will answer those prayers. And then uh, do we, you and I, do we pray with confidence? Or do we basically just pray whatever we want to pray, whatever we think would be wise to pray, without any instructions from God's word, without any idea of God's will, and understanding God's ways. And then we are 
lack confidence in that, so we put the two kind of uh, phrases in there to sound spiritual and it, kind of like clean up the mess of whatever we can pray, whatever we at, want God to answer. And as long as we say, if it be your will and in Jesus' name I pray, then it's, that's the magic formula to get it before the Heavenly Father and for Him to answer it. Where we realized last week that was not the case at all. That ultimately that there's an expectation to know God's character, to know His promises, and to, to know and to love His kingdom and then when we pray in that, when we delight ourselves in the Lord in that way, then he will give us, he will grant us the, our desires of our heart and even the desires of our prayer life as it's in unison with his will, word, and ways. And so this morning we want to look at praying peacefully at Philippians 4. I don't think there could be any, any greater message to be able to communicate as it relates to prayer than understanding peace. Um, one of my own family and family members, as far as extended family members, uh, much medication uh, as a result of anxiety. And so when you begin to think about that, uh, does the Bible give us any hope as it relates to peace and us experiencing peace in this world? And, and the reality is the Bible does, and this is an attempt to help us to be able to see what we, who we are and what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4. Begin in verse 4 and read through verse 7. The word of God says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Father, we ask that you would help us to understand what your word communicates to us this morning. We ask that your spirit would grant us wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of who you are. The eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, and that, Lord, the Abundant spiritual blessings of heaven would be made known, be made known to us. May it be not only just a realization, but a reality, Lord, that this is who we are in you if we've indeed been born from above. And so I pray that we would set our hearts on the things that are above and not the things of this earth. And that, Lord, as a result of that, we would begin to know the amazing blessings, the amazing promises, the immeasurable greatness of your power, inheritance to which we've been called, and, Lord, the riches of heaven that even some have been bestowed upon us even now. And so, Lord, we are grateful for the Spirit's work and for your, your word that's inspired and inerrant. Lord, help us to understand it, help us to obey it, help us to know it and love it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want us just to look at two primary points this morning as we just think about praying peacefully. And one of the things we don't want to do is basically worry on our knees that ultimately we are worrying and yet we feel that somehow it's been uh, spiritually motivated as a result of that and so we must continue to remind God what he we believe he evidently doesn't know or evidently doesn't care uh, for us or know about us that we must continue to remind him and meanwhile we're not trusting in him when we pray we're simply worrying upon our knees and so if that's not what we desire to have happen, then what is it that, how do we interact with God as it relates to our worry? How do we interact with God as it relates to our peace? And what does God's word have to say about it? 
And so here at the end of Paul's letter to the church of Philippi, he's uh, exhorting them, encouraging them, and is encouraging them to pray, and it's going to communicate God's provisions, and then his final greetings as he wraps up this letter. And it's in this that these instructions he begins to tell this, the church in Philippi is that they should rejoice in the Lord always. Now, the reality is, is that the church is suffering. Paul even walks through in this letter upon which Paul is in prison himself. It begins to make us under, uh, question, then, well, how does this, how does Paul then have such peace? And how can we have such peace? And how does this peace relate to prayer? And that's where we want to be able to, to, to walk through and unpack this morning. So the first thing I want us to see is that I want us to see the significant results from receiving the peace of God. Significant results from receiving the peace of God. You and I, if we're born again believers, had significant things take place in our lives when we turned from sin and placed our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we repented of our sins and trusted in the Savior. Before we were born again, we were rebels. We were enemies of God. We were children of wrath. We were sons and daughters of disobedience, following the prince of the power of this of the course of this world and how he was leading us. And then God grants repentance. He uh, puts a, takes out the heart of stone and places a heart of flesh, enables us to repent of our sins and place our faith and trust in Jesus. And as a result of that, we are now transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And with that transformation, with that transfer of citizenship, there's amazing, significant results as, that come from receiving peace from God. And this is exactly what the scripture teaches us. Listen to this in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. It's going to make a lot of sense as we begin to unpack this. But if we miss this opening point, we're going to miss uh, how we should interact with God and why this is so important as we pray. In Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1 through verse 5, listen to what Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith. We've been declared innocent. We've been declared, uh, our case has been dismissed and we have been declared righteous before God. We've been justified by faith. The Bible says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. So when you begin to think about that, those ramifications that ultimately when, um, with the new year, we desire health and wealth and prosperity. We desire to lose weight or to gain muscle mass or to, uh, to be more financially responsible. We desire to be, uh, have start uh, more productive habits and to get rid of unhealthy or unproductive habits. But ultimately, in each of those things, those are temporal. The real weightier matters is those matters that we begin to think that are eternal. What about our soul? Where will we spend all of eternity? And the Bible would have us and ask us and encourage us to be thinking along those lines as well. We don't want to store up treasures here on earth, and yet our soul will be required of us. And ultimately in that, we would gain the whole world as far as its produce and its products, but then lose our souls as the Scripture teaches us. And so when we begin to think about that, when we have peace with God, He would be up to that point our enemy because we were resisting him we were rebels against his kingdom his will his word his ways and as a result of that now we have peace with god the ramifications of that is incredible and so the bible continues in verse 2 through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of god 
Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And so when we think about the significant results that we have, is number one, we have peace with God and now access to God by faith as a result of the Spirit of God that's been poured into our hearts. We actually can understand and relate to the love that God has for us. And this is why then in our passage back in Philippians chapter 4, when we understand that a person who's been declared righteous, who has been justified before the Father in Christ Jesus, then the Bible would then encourage us, if that's the case, just like Romans chapter 5 says, then we should, if we have peace with God, then we should rejoice. And that's exactly what you see in the passage. The significant results from receiving the peace of God is a person who has received the peace of God can rejoice in the Lord. And this is exactly where... Paul picks up not just with the church in Rome in Romans chapter 5, but here in the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Now, here's the reality. If the result of of peace with God, uh, if, if the significance of having peace with God is the result of that, is that we have joy. Now, think about that just for a moment. If you're born again and you receive cancer and you've only been given a month to live, Two weeks to live. The reality in that is that what you've been longing for, what we just prayed as well with my soul, Lord, haste the day when my faith shall become what? Sight. That is not something that should lead us not to rejoice, but to rejoice all the more. That eventually these bodies that are being marred by sin and the outer man is perishing, yet the inward man is, is being renewed day by day. That ultimately he's sustaining us, he's encouraging us, he's ministering to us. And as a result of that, we will shed this body and what was only faith, now is going to become a reality in our sight. And so the Bible would encourage us to rejoice in the Lord. And the reality for us is that do we rejoice in the Lord in this way? And I think the reason we, were, we don't rejoice is because we're not really set in our, our hearts and our minds on the things that are above, as Colossians 3 would encourage us, but we set our hearts and minds on the things that are below. Our joy is found in things that are here. Now, the reality is, the truth is, is that we can have certain joys and the, the graces that God has given us even here on this planet. The institution of marriage, children, To eat and drink and be merry. The gifts that God has given us. The means by which we see his providence. So not to say that there cannot and there is not joy here. Quite the opposite. We we can have great joy here. But it's in light of what God has already accomplished for us. And knowing that we are at peace with God in heaven. Now here's the, the foolishness on my part. And the foolishness on our part. Is when we lack joy here. Despite the fact that we claim with our mouths and claim with our theology that our eternity is secure, but we find little to no security here on this planet. How do we have such temporal, lack of temporal security when we claim, we boast in our theology that we have such secure, eternal security? Oh, God can safely make make me to transfer from temporal things... This body's just a shell and this body will remain here and my spirit will go on and I will be able to make passes from the the, the physical to the spiritual without any problems that God will help me and aid me in that transition 
yet God cannot help me from one transition of life to the next in this temporal world? How will God provide a job for me when I graduate high school or college? And so that transition from one temporal aspect of this world to the next. And we worry and we fret and we don't rejoice in the Lord and the the uncertainty of times. And yes, there is a, a, a myriad of times where there's uncertainty. But the reality is that we should not be, we should not lack peace because we've already have peace in the most important aspect of our lives. And so the truth that the Bible is saying here is that we understand the significant results that we have, that we receive from the peace of God, then one of the things that we should begin to always do is rejoice in any and every circumstance. Despite the fact that our own sin may have caused certain anxieties, that we can repent of that sin knowing that God will forgive us, that He's not forgiven our past, our present, but our, even our future sins. And we can forgive others for their sin, knowing that they're not warring with us, but it's, it's not, we don't war with fleshly things, but it's a spiritual battle that's taking place. A war within the heavenlies. And so that's why Jesus and Stephen and others could begin to say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It's not a personal attack against us, but it's a spiritual attack within the heavenlies. And so there's significant results from receiving the, pre, the, the grace of the peace of God as a person who has received the peace of God can rejoice in the Lord. And so the question for you and the question arises is that do we often rejoice in times of difficulty? Do we even rejoice sometimes in times of prosperity? Many times we grow selfish and self-centered. We begin to hoard and guard the things that we've gotten, the new things that we have. And as a result, we, we resist others who God has placed into our lives that so we could be a, to be a blessing and even a ministry to them. And so a person who's received the peace of God can rejoice in the Lord. We see it in Romans 5. We see it here in Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Second, a person who's received the peace of God can be reasonable to all. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And immediately it moves into verse 5, transitions to verse 5. and says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Now that's... That's curious. Why, why would there should be an expectation that we should be reasonable at all times? Well, it's reasonable, it's logical to think that if you have peace with God and that peace transcends every aspect of your life because the Lord is, is the Lord of every aspect of your life and you have now peace with Him, you can trust Him in every situation that He's placed you in. As a result of that, you're rejoicing in Him. Then the reality is that... Re- Whoever you come in contact with, whatever the circumstance that you are interacting with another person, that you can be reasonable to those people because of the peace that you have with God. Your future is secure. Your present is in His hands. And you are rejoicing Him in that present hour. Then why would you not be reasonable to everyone you interact with? The things that He's given, He can keep them. The things that He's given us, He can take those away. Naked I came in this world, naked I leave, but blessed be the name of the Lord, Job says. I think there is reality then to be able to go. My life is His. I trust Him with my life. And so as a result of that, it helps me to understand that I should be reasonable. Here's, Here's the key in the crux of this. It speaks to a person's humility. Peace with God speaks to a person's humility. Even in the same passage... Paul alludes to this understanding, this mindset. Go back, flip over maybe one page in your Bible, maybe two, to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to see how a person is 
reasonable. How, how is it that the peace of God leads us to be reasonable to everyone, or be reasonable to all? That's believer and unbeliever alike. Well, we have the model of Christ is what Philippians 2 is leading us to understand. He says, chapter 2, verse 1, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to, go, to the glory of God the Father. So a person who's received peace of God knows that they have peace with God, and we know we have peace with God as a result of what the Bible just describes here, what, the way Jesus approached us in earth, that he lived a sinless life, he died the death that we deserve, despite the fact that he had all the riches of heaven, And that he clothed himself in humility, humbled himself to the point of death on the cross so that we could be born again. And through that process, we have peace with God. That we should rejoice in the Lord always because of that. And we've been given the model. Have this mind that was also the mind of Christ. Do nothing from selfish ambition or or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to his own interests, but also the interests of others. To have the mind that Christ had. So if our mind is focused on the things of God, we understand that peace is, the peace of God is something that we possess. As a result of that, then we can be reasonable to all because why? God is calling us to look at others the way Christ would look at them. Not as someone who cut you off, but as someone who's a sinner. Not someone who's stealing from you only, even though that they, need to be, they need to repent of that, but ultimately to someone who's blinded. Someone who is who doesn't know the things of God or who doesn't know the things of God well, even in the context of believer to believer, that believers will sin. And as a result, that we should forgive them as Christ has forgi- or God has forgiven us in Christ. Love one another, intender heart on one another, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. This is the basis for our relationships. And the reason we don't live this way, the reason I'm not reasonable with other people, is because at that moment, my heart, And my affections, my mind is on the things of this earth and primarily that only. Now think about this. When you drive and you lose your temper, are you thinking about heavenly things at that particular moment? When we sin against God, are we we thinking about the things of God in that particular moment? We lust and war and we have desires that are not of God. Clearly we know at that particular moment our hearts and our minds and our affections are not on the things of God. But yet that is the peace that God has granted us is that those evil desires do not have to rule and reign over us. That we can be freed and delivered from them. And indeed we have been freed and delivered from them if we are in Christ Jesus. We are no longer a slave to sin but a slave to righteousness. And so a result, a significant result, it's not only that we can rejoice in the Lord, but we can be reasonable to all people. 
Self-control can be what governs us as a fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness. Those fruit of the Spirit can be what is made manifest because we have peace with God. And so a significant result from the peace of God, from receiving the peace of God, is that we can rejoice in the Lord, we can be reasonable to all, and a person who received the peace of God remembers the Lord is at hand. So let your reasonable be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand, or the Lord is near. This isn't, even though the Bible would teach, and we would be wise to understand that the Bible teaches us there's an imminent return of Christ, He could return at any moment. This isn't primarily what it's speaking of, of Christ's second coming, as far as He's at hand or He's near. It's speaking of more of a, His presence is near to us. Proximity, and not that God is not on his throne. He is on his throne, and, and Jesus is, is there at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. But it's basically speaking to us so that we have access to him. He's readily available. He's near in that um, when we call upon him, he is not sleeping or slumbering. He is not inactive. He's not distant from us. This is what the scripture would teach us in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Where's the confidence coming? It's because they believe that the Lord is near. When they ask upon him, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Why can they say that? Because they don't believe that man can do anything apart from the Lord allowing it and ordaining it. And so we've got We've got victory, we've got freedom, we've got confidence, we've got courage that even the things that are negative, the things that we would never have planned for ourselves are of the Lord because God knows us, He's near us, and He loves us based upon what the Scriptures have taught. And this is a result of the peace that we know that we have with God as a result of our sins being forgiven and us being born again, having a relationship with Christ. The Lord is readily available to help us. To call out to Him in our time of distress. And He will answer and He will deliver you. And that we will glorify Him in that time, as Psalm 51 says. And so those are significant results from receiving peace from God. This is the instructions that are given in, this con- in the context of this passage. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Those are all byproducts of being having peace with God in and through salvation. The salvation that Christ has brought to us by living the life that we couldn't and dying the death that we deserve. Now, the reality for us is that do we experience this peace on a daily basis? It's been extended to us. If you're born again, you've received it. Now, the reality is, are you walking in it? And here's the example I wanted to give to help us see this. My... Father-in-law, um, his vision's pretty good, but he, he needs glasses to read, reading glasses. And you can get, tempu- get reading glasses potentially pretty cheap. You can buy a pretty cheap pair at a variety of different locations. So as a result of that, he, uh, I guess just simply, simply because the monetary value isn't something significant, that my father-in-law oftentimes loses his glasses. Um, he oftentimes misplacing them, and even in context where we're nearby, Hey, have you seen my glasses? Have you seen my glasses? Because you don't necessarily need them with this distance, but when he needs to read something close up, he, he needs the glasses. And we've all seen the illustrations and, and, and seen the, the television shows and the jokes where the glasses are 
safely resting upon someone's head, right, and they're right above, right above their eyebrows, and yet they don't, they've gotten busy and gotten distracted, gotten hurried, and now they're frantically searching all over the house looking for what they already possess. It's right there, right? But they're looking for what they already possess. And then you'd be reminded, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you looking for again? Can I help you? Oh, yeah, I'm, I've misplaced my glasses. I don't know where they're at, and I really need them. I, it's, it's hindering my, my ability to be able to see things more clearly. And as a result of that, man, I, I just need to find my... Hey, they're, they're right on the top of your head. And then, oh, they, if you've done this, I've done this. You say, oh, man, I'm, I, feel, I feel kind of foolish now. And they take them off, and they begin to look through the lenses of the glasses. Well, here's exactly what Paul wants us to understand as we look at this passage. And the right reason why it's laid out the way it's laid out is that because we significant results that we've already received as, uh, from the peace of God or as a result of having peace with God, a person can rejoice in the Lord. A person can be reasonable to all. A person needs to remember that the Lord is at hand. Those are the things that the person looks through. Yet many Christians aren't realizing what they already possess. We're looking for peace, forgetting that we already have peace with God. It's like the person looking for the glasses that they possess already on their head without just simply lowering the glasses to look through the lens to see the world differently. You're looking for something that you already have if you're born again in Christ Jesus. You're looking for peace, and the Bible said, based on Romans chapter 5, you already have peace with God if you've been justified in Christ Jesus. Why do you live a life that you, you cannot see and do not experience peace when you already have, it's already been extended to you? What are you looking for when you should be looking through it, not to it? We look at peace like it's a decision-making mechanism that we can predict the future rather than looking at the peace of God as something that's already been extended to us and we can now rest in God regardless of the situations that we're in. And so the thing that we're missing here is that we don't understand the significance results that we, that's been given to us. And therefore, we don't understand the significant instructions, the specific instructions that result from praying the way God tells us to pray. So significance results from receiving the peace of God. Rejoice in the Lord, be reasonable to all, and remember the Lord is at hand. But now, number two, I want us to see specifics and specific instructions for praying as a result of this peace that we possess. How do we look through these lenses of peace that we already possess in light of prayer? And that's the heart of where we want to be this morning. It's the heart of this message. Specific instructions for praying as a result of the peace of God that if you were born again, you already possess. So what's these specific instructions? Number one, a person who has peace from God should repent of worry to God. A person should repent of worry to God. That's what the Bible says in verse 6. It immediately comes out of verse 5. It says in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious. Do not worry about anything. And that can be difficult if you've grown up in a household of worriers. If what you've had modeled before you for your mom or for your dad or for your siblings and for others is that you worry and that even worry can be um, spiritual. Look how often I'm bringing this prayer request to God. 
Look how often it leads me to man, it, t- it teaches me to pray without ceasing. Is it? Is that what praying without ceasing is? Is that you must constantly remind God over and over and over that you're not content? When the Bible says quite the opposite, you should be content. Learn to trust Him in any of your any and every circumstances. And so the first thing to understand is that the Bible says that worry is a sin. Now, you might be at this moment going, and you may be a worrier, and you think, man, thanks for piling on. You're not helping me at all. I appreciate that. Came here to be uplifted and be encouraged, and all you're doing is just putting more uh, burdens upon me. No, no, no. Here's the beauty of what the Bible teaches. If we're, Remember, what we have peace with God, and we're no longer slaves to sin. Slaves to righteousness, right? We've been yoked up, been chained, bonded to God. As a result of that, we've been freed that we're not under the yoke and bondage of sin. It no longer has dominion over us. There's freedom that can be had and freedom that is experienced as a result of faith in Christ. And so the reality is that by labeling it what the Bible calls it, you actually gain victory from it. Now think about that for a moment. If you don't understand that worry is a sin, you think it's just a normal practice of the, of the Christian life, then you'll never realize that God has given you a means to, uh, to, to, uh, to conquer it. There's no temptation to overcome us, but it's common to man. But God's given us a means to escape it. And we're more than conquerors. And so I, you need to understand that worry is sinful. And once it's labeled as a sin, you can then avoid it. You can repent of it and ask God for victory from it. Rather than simply coping with it as if it's something that you have to deal with over and over and over again where God can give you victory above it and over it. And so the Bible would encourage us that we should not be anxious about anything. But the reality is if we are anxious and one of the first things we need to do is to acknowledge before God we are sinning against him because we are doing exactly what he's told us not to do. Father, I acknowledge that I'm sinning. I repent of worry. About this situation. I know you're the God who holds the stars. By your word. That sustains my heart. And my lungs. Involuntarily. I'm not. I'm not sustaining it myself. You're doing this. You're the one who is self-sufficient. You know you need nothing from anyone. You have all that you possess. You created this world. You know every hair on my head. You know the sparrow when it falls to the ground. You feed the sparrows. You clothe the fields. Will you not take care of me? And yet my eyes are more focused on myself rather than focused upon you. And I confess I agree with you that this is sin. And I repent. That's the first step for us. It's not spiritualizing our sinfulness. Over-spiritualizing it. Making it. Seem that we're more righteous because we pray more when in essence we're not praying. We're worrying upon our knees. And so first of the the specific instructions that we should realize when we know we have peace from God. As a person who has peace from God should repent of worry to God. Do not be anxious about anything. So turn from that. Now then you're placing your faith not in just worried prayer. But now you're placing your faith in Christ. And now your prayers change focal points. I don't know what you're doing in this situation. And this would lead us to what we talked about last week, right? Knowing God's will for your life and then trusting 
that God will do what he promises to advance his kingdom in your life and through your life? Knowing what the word of God says and what the word of God does not say does not benefit us at all when we we over-spiritualize our our prayer lives and in essence, we're not praying at all. And so a person who has peace from God should repent of worry to God. Number two, a person who has peace from God should bring the request to God. So here's what oftentimes happens when we, many times can happen. I'm saying it happens for everyone. That we spend much of our time just simply worrying upon our knees and we think it's praying. We potentially are even walking in sin there. And so then we get up, not really believing God's going to hear our prayers, He's going to answer our prayers. We're the doubting person in James chapter 1. The Bible says that a person should supposedly receive anything from the Lord because all they did on their knees was worry. They get up, they don't feel any better than they did before. And then we transition from that to complaining to others. We transition from that to grumbling and murmuring to others, seeking counsel from worldly areas and worldly venues, and then growing frustrated, which is baby anger, right? So just growing frustrated with others. Now, do you see where sin has led to future sins? All we did was worry upon our knees. We never did really repent of the worry and trust in God. We didn't bring those petitions to God. We just kind of threw things at him. And if it be accordance to your will, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. We leave defeated. Leave our prayer time defeated, not rejoicing the Lord always, not learning to be reasonable at any time, remembering that the Lord is there to help us and he's at hand. We don't know about, we're not looking to his kingdom. We're not desiring to glorify or hallow his name. So we get up from that and now we're frustrated believing that is anything going to change? Not hopeful, not trusting, not, not resting in the things of God. And as a result of that, then we murmur and we bicker and we complain, all upon which are sinful, showing discontent for God and his, his means of provision for us. We seek worldly wisdom and not ask the Lord to grant us wisdom. And then it leads to frustration, right? Because in the back of your mind, and this might not be true for anybody, I'm just airing out my own dirty laundry here, but when things are gone and things are I'm, I'm worried about something. Then it's behind my eyes, right? And to see. But then here's what my family can begin to realize: Man, what is troubling you? You are so frustrated right now. That's just a safe way, kind, kinder way of saying you're just really angry right now. Why are you sinfully angry? Is that I'm describing anyone else besides me here? And it's all because even what I thought I was doing by praying, I was not receiving what has already or or experiencing what God has already given me. My eyes were focused on worldly, temporal things, fleshly things. Things that need not matter if we were all on our deathbed. And yet it has me completely distracted. My prayer time didn't lead me to the presence of God, led me to no higher than outside my own mind. Trying to think through how I was going to figure all this out. I gave God lip service, but then it didn't really move beyond that. My heart, my posture didn't change. It wasn't one of humility. And so as a result of that, then it can lead to further sins, complaining, bickering, murmuring, frustration, anger. But a person who has peace from God, will bring or should bring the request to God. This is what verse 6 says. But in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgivings, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He cares for you. He really does. Don't, don't let God, the sovereignty of God lead you not to pray. 
He wants us to come before him by prayer and supplication. These are the petitions here that he's looking for us to pray and our request that we're made made known. But then here's the reality. How does he say we should bring these petitions to him? What does the scripture say there? With what? With thanksgiving. Thank you, Hugh. With thanksgiving. This isn't new to what the Bible would teach us. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5. We'll begin in verse 14. 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning in verse 14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. It seems, seems like that reasonableness that he was talking about here in our passage, was it not? See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to, to, uh, to, do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. I mean, this entire passage is being repeated here in, in 1 Thessalonians. Not? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, how is giving thanks in all circumstances the will of God for us? You know what it describes? Is a person who understands God's sovereign providence over their lives sovereign rule and reign over them and who is resting and trusting in his sovereign rule and reign over them the best news the person has that's been given to them the worst news that could be given to anybody is that the lord gives and the lord takes away but blessed be the name of the lord and so we can come with thanksgiving And this isn't just wishful thinking. This is genuine dependence upon God. Genuine honesty before God. What I mean by that is that, Lord, I don't know what you're doing in the circumstances that's happening right now. But I know you're near. I know it's a result of having peace with you. My sins have been forgiven. I have access by faith to you. And Lord, I'm going to remember that you're at hand. I'm going to rejoice in this because I know nothing, in, nothing. If I've known anything from the Bible, if I know anything about uh, the story of, of Job, that everything has been filtered by your hand. Nothing has taken you by surprise. This isn't an accident. And so as a result, I can trust you. You're trustworthy. Your character is one that is trustworthy. This is all that we talked about last week. Trusting the character of God. Knowing the promises of God. Loving the kingdom of God. I'm bringing these requests to you. Father, grant me wisdom to understand. Help me to know your word. Help me to trust you in these circumstances. Help me to be faithful in the midst of difficult times. Do we bring our requests to God? I know many times for me it can be easier for me just to seek counsel from others. And that's not a bad thing to do. It's not a bad thing to do to seek counsel, but not in lieu of, not instead of, not in spite of making our request to God. In addition to, fine, but not in spite of or in lieu of. The instructions from the scripture is in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How quick am I to seek some worldly wisdom? Or earthly wisdom. Seek others out first before I would pray to God. 
And the scripture says that it's not the instructions. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with a thankful heart, let your requests be made known to God. So those are the instructions. Number one, turn from your worry. Acknowledge what worry is. And it's the instructions that Pastor Tim gave last week or a couple weeks ago, which were extremely helpful. Pray about it once a day. And then don't pray about it anymore after that. Why? You've got to define worry somehow. If you don't have a definition for worry, you're not going to know how to repent of it. Instructions for us is that we would trust God. Did He hear you? Have you repented of sin? Any unknown sin in your life? No? Okay, you brought your request to God? Yes. And then thank the Lord that He hears, He's able to respond, and you're now going to rest and trust Him rather than sinfully worry to Him or before Him. And so specific instructions for praying as a result of the peace of God. A person has peace from God should repent of worry, and they should bring the request to God. Number three, a person who has peace from God should rest in the promises of God. Should rest in the promises of God. This is leads to what I was just communicating just moments ago. Do not be anxious about anything. You need to repent of worry. If you have been worrying, but then now bring your request to God and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then now rest in the promises of God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And you can begin to look at the world with what you already possess, right? You're not looking for peace. You're looking through the peace that you have with God through the world that is not peaceful, a world that is sinful, a world that will not be at peace with you, that will hate you because of what you believe, that will hate the, the, the Lord that you serve and that Lord that has saved you, that will hate His commands, that to them His commandments are burdensome. They don't love Christ. He's not Lord of their life. He is the Lord of all creation. But they've not yielded to his lordship in their life. And so there's not going to be peace outside. You may not have, him have peace in the context of your home. If you have uh, unsaved family members, there won't be peace in the context of your home. The Bible has communicated that. I said a mother against her, her daughter and a mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, a father against his son and son against his, his father. There will be three against two and two against three. In the context of your own home, there may not be peace. Because why? Individuals have different agendas, different kingdoms that they're living for. But the individual believers can have peace because they already know peace. The God of peace and have the peace that that God provides. Which surpasses all human understanding. That's where then a person is diagnosed with cancer or some... Um, terminal illness. And their response is simply one. The Lord is in control. I trust Him. He's good. He's faithful. He's kind. He's just. Even more remarkable to me than that even. Is people who have been tortured. For their faith. They would simply recant. A, simple, a few words. Just renounce Christ. Now all this will go away. I could describe, and I won't, due to the nature of young children in this room, horrible stories, instances, testimonies, torturous acts, extremely painful. It could all be over 
they would just recant, renounce Christ. But why would they? They've already experienced peace. When we see the bigger picture, a broader understanding, a broader scope of what Christ has done for us in the heavenlies, it does make it easier for us to live in the context of this sinful world. And we realize that we don't need to look for peace. We've already found it. We need to look through the peace of God that He's granted us and to look to Him and not to the things of this world. Set your mind on the things, set your eyes and your mind on the things that are above. Heavenly kingdom, not an earthly kingdom. And what it'll do, it surpasses all human understanding. People would speak and go, how remarkable is that? As I do, as I read through the scriptures, I read through Hebrews chapter 11. We were just in Hebrews 13, well, God will never leave us nor forsake us. Well, clearly the people in Hebrews chapter 11 could be like, well, God has forsaken us. We didn't see any of the promises happen. We never saw the Messiah. Some were sawn in two. Some were in chains and floggings, imprisonment, were stoned. They were killed with a sword and went about in sheep's skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, all of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of these earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had prov- has provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. The world looks and says, man, you're beggars. You have nothing. Join us. We have it all. We have genuine, true joy. Can't you see it? And yet they have no answers. In sickness, they have no answers in suffering. They have no answers in death. Because they have no answers in life. And yet we know the way, the truth, and the life. We know the answer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of us who have repented of sin, then we, we, we can rejoice in the Lord at any moment. Because why? This world is but a vapor. We can have reasonableness to all. Because why? He's asked us, He's commanded us to, have, to be humble. To consider the interests of others as more important than our own. To live, to serve them. To remember that the Lord is a hand. And therefore, we should then, the instructions that are given to us, knowing that the Lord is quick and ready to answer our requests, is then that don't be anxious. Don't worry. Repent of worry. Bring your request into the Lord and bring it with thanksgiving. Knowing that even in these trials, as we've, we've studied now at least a couple of times with um, profiting from trials several weeks back when, when uh, Steve led us in, in time of James 1, uh, verses 2 through 4, and then in mine just last week with verse 5 through 7, 5 through 8. Instructions for us is to know the promises of God and to bring those requests to Him, thanking Him even for the trials. And then, then that we can rest in the promises of God and that that will guard our hearts and mind. It will guard the inner man. Because why? The outer man is perishing. All creation groans for a new creation and yet our inner man grows stronger and stronger as we rest and trust in Christ. And so the question for you and I is that Are we living peaceful lives? Are we praying in light of the peace that we already possess? Or are we like myself, my father-in-law, and others 
who have the lens that we need to be looking through, who already possess it, and yet are looking for something that we already possess. And if we simply look through the peace that God has already granted us, we will experience and know the peace that we already have. Rather than worry, rather than fret, rather than murmur, complain, and grow frustrated because we are sinfully worrying. Don't allow your prayer life just to be simply a list of complaints you bring before God. Because your ultimate agenda is comfort and convenience. May we repent of that. And may we be about our Heavenly Father. Hallowing His name and His kingdom coming. His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we're about His kingdom. And we can pray with confidence. Knowing that we, He hears, He answers. And we receive what we need. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. That you've granted those of us who've repented of sin and placed our faith and trust in you. You've granted us peace. We do not stand under your wrath. We are not enemies. But we are now called children of God. We know that's because of Christ. Leaving heaven. Being clothed with humanity. Fully human. Fully God. Living the life that we could not. in Perfect submission, perfect obedience, perfect communion with you. Never a bad thought, bad action, bad attitude. Only desires to give you glory in all that he does. Dying the death that we deserve. Your wrath being poured out. Him drinking that cup. Every drop. So that the elect could be redeemed. Delivered, forgiven, and adopted. And Lord, we've been granted significant results as a result of that adoption. All the spiritual blessings of heaven are ours in Christ Jesus. And now would we look through that peace that we received through Christ and with you through the through every circumstance that we have. To know that you are at hand. You're near. And Lord, we can now rejoice in every circumstance and be reasonable to all because we're not growing frustrated due to worry. Lord, help us to repent, to understand worry, that it's sinful, it's serious. May we repent of that. And then Lord, may we bring our requests with thanksgiving to you. Being joyful that we have access to you. And then Lord may we rest in your promises. Knowing that the peace that we already possess. Can be experienced in every facet of life. And we ask all this in Jesus name. Amen. Hello it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day. Playing one of my favorite social spin slot games. On chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.